The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Hey, you guys, what a fantastic week it was. Thank you, uh, Jess and Beth, there for getting us all caught up and everything going on. We met this last Thursday in different ways. We met here in the auditorium, we met um, online in Zoom rooms. Uh, for a day of prayer and fasting, and it kind of came up all at once. It wasn't a, a, a thing that was scheduled here for several weeks or months. It was more a few days before that we thought, it's just time to seek the Lord, and, and there's something about fasting and praying that Jesus talked about, a lot about, and he's the king, and so since he's the king and he says to fast and pray, we should just do that even if we don't completely get it. It was beautiful to watch. Over 100 of you joined together in person and online with us, and we know there's a lot more of you out there that were part of it that couldn't join in because of work and other commitments and things like that. So thank you for being there and for praying with us. I sense that God's on the move. God is stirring up something. God's working some things out in all kinds of ways. We'll be talking to you about that in the weeks ahead. I know that uh, just in my own heart, have had a sense that there's all kinds of people, and let me just talk to the men for a second, the men here at Crosspoint, I've even sensed there's a lot of men that are in the game, that are serving, that are doing stuff, that are leaving their families, leading their families well, but have sensed too, there's a bunch of men that are kind of on the sidelines and COVID has put everything on pause and what's supposed to happen next here, but you want to get back in the game again. And it was so weird, I thought that. And then right when we got done with the prayer gathering here on Thursday evening, somebody stopped and said, can I get 20 minutes with you? And it was this powerful conversation about a, a guy in our church here just talking about Hey, it's time for me to quit complaining and whining and griping about this or that or anything else. I want to help. I want to do something. And so anyway, that's been stirring up there. So men, some things for you to be involved in already. If you want to hear more about that, just put down men's stuff on the bottom of that connection card they just had you fill out. You can also, um, a couple things going on right now is uh, uh, on Monday nights, there is a men's study through the book of Romans that happens right here, here at Crosspoint. If you want to find more about that, it'd be a great thing for you to be involved in, men. Uh, Monday night, right here at Crosspoint, a Bible study through Romans. And then there's a group that meets once a month right now that we're sort of doing under the radar right now that we're going to try to roll out here in the next few months, churchwide, called Authentic Manhood. We're looking at what the scriptures have to say and some powerful stuff that these guys have put together. So I encourage you, if you want to know more about that, Authentic Manhood on that connection card, and we'll contact you about that. As God's on the move, He stirs up things in our hearts, not just the men but the women as well. And God stirs up something in our heart. But I don't know if you're like me, that from time to time, I can know the right thing to do. But the right thing to do is not always easy. In fact, I almost often thought it's not always easy. It's not even usually easy. It can be challenging. It can be difficult. Uh, on your note sheet that you have today, if you don't have the note sheet out right now, hit pause Go download it and get back here because you're gonna want that to write some things down on or get something to jot a few notes on. There's gonna be some things that'll be super powerful for you today because I don't know if you're like me, but man, sometimes the right thing just feels impossible and that, that's very varying levels of how it feels impossible. Sometimes it feels impossible because like, I know it's the right thing, I just don't want to. I, you know, like, okay, my spirit's willing, but there's these, these battle going on inside of me. Paul talks about this in the book of Romans, Romans chapter seven, where he says, it's fascinating, he says, the, the good thing I wanna do, I don't do. The bad thing I don't wanna do, that's the very thing I end up doing. What's wrong with me? <laughs> What's wrong with me is, all, is the big question there. But it's just that struggle that we just feel that inside uh, sometimes. 
And then it sometimes moves from I don't, I don't want to to I don't think I can. I, I know the right thing. I know what the Bible says. I heard the message. I know the thing. It's, sometimes it's stepping out and just God wants to use me. Wants me to step out and really use me and to do something with my life. And it's like, I'm not sure about that. A career change. Like God's just saying it's time to move out of a career for a certain reason, for all kinds of reasons related to your emotional, spiritual, mental health. And I want to, I don't know if I can. Um, I think uh, sometimes God calls us to move away from relationships, whether those are dating relationships or just friendship relationships. We just know those aren't healthy and good. And he's calling us to put some distance there and it feels almost impossible uh, to do that. Uh, Sexual purity from my single friends in dating relationships, it feels like, come on, dude, seriously. It's, it's this, when you, when, when you go, okay, I hear what the Bible says, but come on, Steve, you just don't understand. You ever th- thought that or said that? You just don't understand. The, the world that I work and live in, is, it doesn't work. Giving, tithing, saving, getting out of debt, feels like, well, if I'd started years ago, maybe I could, but to take that leap and that jump into trusting God with my money, just feels like you don't understand. And then sometimes it's not just I don't want to, or I don't think I can, sometimes doing what God calls me to do feels terrifyingly impossible. Feels like, well, man, we had a funeral memorial service this weekend from one of my heroes here, Chris Reeder. And years ago, God called him whether God called him, I don't know if God called him. I don't want to be careful to use how the words I use there. But when you get that diagnosis from the doctor and you thought, I'm not sure I could handle that, that feels terrifying to find out I've got cancer. And I have to battle that now for years and years. And sometimes it's not even my own personal health or things, but what about the death of someone close to me, my spouse, my, my children, to see my children struggle and really not just struggle with growing up and the challenges of all that, but really doing terrible, awful things, feeling like, where is their soul? Where is that at? That just feels terrifying. Like, God, I, I don't know how to do this, what you're calling me to do. I, I think, too, the world we live in right now has given us new scripts when it comes to gender identity and sexual orientation. And look, we're not gonna do a Bible study on that and the right or the wrong of that and whose fault that is and all that. Look, I just tell you right now, for having some compassion for, for our brothers and sisters who I've had conversations with, how terrifying it feels to say, look, what if that's my orientation? How, how, do, I, how do I deny that and walk in celibacy or walk? How, it, it doesn't just feel impossible, it feels terrifying. And we find ourselves at a place right now in this story of Jesus, the Jesus is the king where our king finds himself at a place where we have often been, where the right thing that he knows he's supposed to do feels terrifying and impossible. Find in your Bibles the book of Mark, Mark chapter 14. It's the story of the, of the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's sad that it's been given that name because it's not a garden, it's an olive grove, it's actually an olive press. So there's serene, beautiful flowers and brooks and lakes and streams. It's just a place where they had olives growing and they crushed the olives. It's a place of Jesus being crushed and poured out here. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump into 
right in the middle of the story, Jesus, today, we are here at a place We're doing what you're asking us to do. At times, just feels challenging, difficult, and terrifying. Meet us there in that place by your spirit today. Watching here, in the room, watching here, online, whenever and wherever we're watching and and experiencing this, God, I pray you would quiet our souls and my soul and our spirit today to feel this, to grasp this, and to find the hope and the encouragement and the power of the desperate times that we oftentimes find ourselves in. Amen. You know, while I'm sitting there praying, it occurs to me that sometimes the difficult thing that Jesus is calling you to do, perhaps, is for, for those of you that aren't yet Christians, to follow Jesus just feels like, eesh. Look, I'll kind of come and hang around church and I'll kind of be a fan of Jesus, but to follow Jesus and go all in feels, it can be difficult and challenging. And I want to tell you too that I believe there's a bunch of us here in this little Southern California conservative-ish kind of swath of geography where we find ourselves, that there's some of us, I don't know how significant the percentage is, but I believe there's some of us that have been Christianized, but you're not Christian. You, you like Jesus, you like the Bible, you'll join a small group, you'll even serve on teams and you know, all that stuff, but Jesus hasn't really ever taken root in your soul and your heart. And because you know in your heart and soul that, man, to do that is like, I'm not sure I can do that. Find hope today in what Jesus is gonna speak into this. Last week, we, uh, Rob Fraser was here talking to us about Jesus going into the temple and just, obliterating the place and flipping over tables and all that. Go check online for that podcast to look at the video or the audio of that uh, to catch up with the story. But that's all done and there's been a few days that have gone by now and Jesus has said, look, it's gonna go bad, it's gonna go south. He's left the upper room where they did communion together, the Passover meal, and he said it's a new thing that's about to go down here, but they can recognize he is greatly troubled in his spirit Mark 14, verse 43. No, I'm sorry. Mark 14, verse 32. (laughs) They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. The little words for that is not just kind of fell to the ground, not serenely kneeling out there, but he flung himself onto the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak. A little side note on this too. Peter had said, I I won't betray you. I'm all in Jesus. I've got this. Be careful of what you think or say you would never do. Jesus is here telling Peter, you're not as strong as you think you are. You think you could never do certain things and you'd never falter or fail. 
you're not as strong as you think you are. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. And when he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up. Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Jesus' desperate prayer there in the olive grove, the olive press called Gethsemane. He's freaking out there. And you feel the words there as he flings himself to the ground. It tells us in the book of Luke, Luke, who's a, a medical doctor who goes, knows all the science behind this, says that when Jesus was there, it wasn't just sweat, that his sweat was mixed with blood. There's a technical medical term for this. Under people under great excruciating stress, this sometimes happens internally. The, the blood glands and stuff gets mixed in with the sweat and, and blood is coming out of his sweat glands. That's the kind of place he, he finds himself in. We oftentimes, again, those of you that grew up going to church or you had Bibles with pictures in them, saw a picture like this of Jesus in the garden and the little halo over him and serenely gazing up to God. This is not what's going on here. This is grimy, gritty, nasty stuff going on. He is screaming and crying and clawing the ground. When, when you're sweating so much that blood's even coming out, your clothes are really drenched in sweat, and he's not doing anything active. He's simply praying in such agony, talking about, when you say my soul is crushed to the sorrow, with sorrow to the point of death, that's depression and borderline suicidal thoughts that he's having right here about how awful this is. And you look at that picture there, and see the way, what it really would have been like. And we climb inside the story to hear the language and the angst and the anxiety there. And you wonder, what is Jesus so freaked out about? And we think, well, because of crucifixion. And you've, you've heard us talk about that over the years here at Crosspoint. How awful and excruciating crucifixion is. And you think, well, maybe it's because he's going to the cross. But the truth is, all kinds of people were crucified by Rome and they don't freak out like this. It's awful and they scream out in terror. And when they're on that cross and it's awful, but there's people who are heroes of our faith who are face death with, with greater heroic martyrdom than what Jesus is doing here. So you wonder, what is going on here? Is it just the crucifixion? And I believe that it's not the crucifixion that he is, that he is so about right now. I think he recognizes what he is facing is the absolute isolation, the being cut off completely from his Father in heaven and is about to experience the wrath of Almighty God for the sins of humanity on himself. And he knows that's coming and he knows the extent of that being both God and human and recognizing what he's about to take on himself and he thinks, I know, I know that's why I've come and it's the wrath of God. The horror he's facing is that absolute fury and wrath of God and, and see, here's, Here's what you have to get when you climb inside the story here. There's some silly ideas out there that books are written about in Christian bookstores that are just, I wouldn't call them blasphemy, but they're close. Because it's this idea of when you're under stress, when you're under difficulty, come on, just trust God, believe God, step into your victory, be brave, have faith. Not Jesus. 
Jesus is there, gritty, grimy, begging God to get out of this. There's very little faith and trust and boldness in any of, of what he's saying right here. This is Jesus losing it. So the next time somebody rebukes you or challenges you to say, you should trust God more, just go, look, man, I'm trusting God like Jesus does right now. I am hanging on by one tiny little thread and I'm terrified, I'm scared, I don't know what to do here. I'm just screaming out and crying out to him. And what's good news about this too is you have a king who gets you. Jesus is the king and we sometimes say Jesus is the king and go, well, we're just the people in his kingdom. Jesus is king up on the throne. Wow. You have a king who gets you. You have a king. Don't miss this. The infinite creator God of the universe. Perfect. Never sinned once in his life. Perfect nature in absolute communion with God indwelt with the fullness and the anointing and and the power of the Holy Spirit is here going, I know what I'm supposed to do. In fact, there's verses on your note sheet there. I've got a few of them there. He he tells us, he says, we're going to Jerusalem. Tells his disciples, we are going to Jerusalem. I am going to be betrayed by the religious leaders into the hands of the Roman authorities and I will die on the cross. And he's telling them this and they're going, no, no, that can't be true. He says, no, it's going to happen. Several times in this week between uh, the, the uh, Hosanna uh, triumphal entry and the temple cleansing, and we get here, he tells them, look, I am going to the cross. I am going to die. He does this thing. This is the new covenant. My body and blood are gonna be broken for you. And here he is screaming out going, I, God, I don't think I can do this. Is there any other way out there? See, even Jesus knows what it feels like to sit where you sit and go, I know the right thing to do, but I just don't want to. I just don't think I can. It feels, it feels impossible for me to do your will, God. If God feels that way once in a while, you can recognize you've got a Savior who gets you. Hebrews tells us, the writer of Hebrews tells us, you have a God who's made an all way just like you, who totally gets that struggle, totally gets it. And then the other that comes out of this too in this desperate prayer is there's this silly notion in our, in our secular context, in our, even our, some, a lot of religious, spiritual context now that, that says that you, you Christians believe what you want, but there's lots of ways to get back to God. And right here, this prayer of Jesus in the garden tells us, no, there's not. And we don't say this out of a sense of all you other fools out there are wrong and Jesus is right, so get your act together. We're saying, no, God has made the way back to him. And Jesus right here says, look, if there's other ways to do this, if we can have other religions that come along that can find the way to reconcile humanity back to God, I'm signing up right now, I'm not doing this. And as he wrestles this out with God in prayer, he recognizes the only way to do this, the only way pathway to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we're unapologetically, boldly, humbly, graciously calling out to those of you who don't know Jesus yet to say he is it and that's that. There is no other way back to God. And we don't say that out of a sense of pride and kind of poking our finger in your chest. We're saying this with, with, with tears, with, with begging you to, to see Jesus here. If there was another way to get out of this, his father would have told us that there is no other way. It's gonna be the substitutionary death of my son on the cross where, where Jesus will take the wrath and the judgment of God for your sin and my sin, our rebellion against God and this great exchange happens. He says, when you put your faith in me, 
When you come to that place of recognizing that you cannot get yourself right with God and no other religion or philosophy can do it, and in humility, you just simply bow and say, I surrender to the king. He says, your sins are forgiven. You're adopted into his family and you're reconciled back to God. That's why there's this word that Christians use all the time called the gospel. All gospel means is good news. That's not just good news, that's the best news ever out there is you can't do it. It's impossible and exhausting and there is no other way. So what do you do? I wanna give you some things to kind of take home now and you can write some of these things down if you have that note sheet out there. When you don't want to, when it feels difficult, impossible, or terrifying to do what you know you're supposed to do, whether that's to trust God with your sexuality or money, whether to trust God and become a Christian, trust God and get baptized, whatever it might be. The first thing here to write down is don't tackle it alone. What's fascinating here is that Jesus frequently, it tells us in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus frequently withdrew from everybody, including his disciples, and went by himself to pray. But you know what he does at his most desperate moment? He said, I need my my friends with me. I I need these people with me. And here's the crazy thing is, he knew that all these losers are gonna fall asleep on him. (laughs) I still need my friends with me. I want my friends with me. And man, if, if, if the, when it gets desperate, we gotta get friends. And, and we, we live in a culture right now of rugged, extreme individualism and being very conscious of our image. You can put all your pictures out there of your authentic, real self with 18 filters on them <laughs> to make people think that's your real self and who you really are. Uh, when it comes to places where you find yourself at desperate times, if Jesus, the infinite creator God of the universe, needed his friends with him, so do you. You can't isolate in those moments. See, when you need help in the crisis, you might wanna write this thing down too, it won't be up on the screen. In the crisis, you can have privacy or you can have help, but you can't have both. Privacy or help, but you're not gonna have both. This is why community is so important. And that word community is, is more than just acquaintances. And don't miss this. Look right at me on the screens right here. Look right at me. It's more than just having friends. Community goes beyond just acquaintances and friends. There's a sense of, I think you can't have community without commitment. Which is why here at Crosspoint, we tell all of you, that are part of our, our Crosspoint family here to get in one of our small groups. And we have all these things we, we line out there. Here's the commitment you're making. We line it up very carefully. Boom, boom, boom. And it's not because we go, we're gonna be out there checking on you. You gotta make sure. No, it's because the only way you get community is to make commitments that says, I'm gonna be there no matter what. Now look, if I'm in the hospital, if I'm, if I'm in, at a place where I've gotta be at work, certainly you, you miss that. But I don't just not show up because I got a headache. I had a tough day at work. Like, no, I'm committed to you people. See, when, when, the, when the wheels come flying off, when the crisis breaks out in your life, when you're desperate for God, you need the community that's already around you. Watch this. In this story, Jesus takes these disciples with him and brings uh, Peter, James, and John, his three best friends, with him there to pray. He does not, in the midst of knowing the crisis is happening, he doesn't go to the church and go, okay, Okay, where's the rabbi? Where's the pastor? Where's the support ministry for me? I'm in a crisis, so get me some help. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? 
He goes to the help that's already there. Don't miss this. You cannot wait till the crisis breaks out to go try to get a community. It doesn't work. Community is what's already around you. And I've seen this happen beautifully here at Cross Point in so many ways where <laughs> we don't even need to have all that kind of crazy care ministry stuff. We certainly have some of it for people here and there. But, but I'm here today, here on Saturday with you, and I'm looking out here and I see some people, I'm not gonna embarrass them by name, but they do community stuff without even being told. People are in capital C crisis. And without being told to do anything by the church or asked to do anything by the church, community just happens. But it doesn't just happen, it takes commitment so that when the crisis breaks out. And what I love about this too, (laughs) the reason we know about this story is because Jesus takes his friends with him. You would think that if, if one point you would not want your friends to see you, I don't know about you, but my good friends, I don't want them to see me at my worst. This is Jesus at his absolute, at the absolute bottom. Gritty, grimy, sweating blood, crying out, I can't do this, I don't wanna do this, and he lets his disciples, he lets his best friends see this, and he makes sure they see it so they get it written down so that 2,021 years later, we can see we have a king who gets us. We have a king who doesn't do this by himself. He brings his friends with him. Don't tackle it alone. Number two there, pray, don't just think about it. Pray about it, don't just think about it. Oftentimes, when we, when we get to situations like this, when we're in crisis mode, here's what we do. We talk to our friends about it, or we'll do a lot of talking to ourselves about it. Sometimes we talk to ourselves out loud, <laughs> and sometimes we talk to ourselves in our head, and we don't pray about it, we, we mull on it. We stew on it, and it just, it just does this in our heads. And I wanna tell you too, when, you, when it comes to, t- to, to this, you don't just think about it, because all it does create panic and fear in your soul. Philippians 4, 6, Paul tells us, hey, in all circumstances, no, no matter what happens, pray. Whatever happens, don't, don't worry about anything, he says. Pray about everything. And you go, how do you not? He says, because oftentimes what happens is we get so preoccupied with the problem, all we can see is here. And we talk to other people about it. We post about it. We blog about it. We stir it all up out there. And he goes, hey, over here. Over here. And he's looking at us. He goes, look, I get this. I was there in the gritty, grimy nastiness of not wanting to do what I knew God the Father wanted me to do. Come talk to me about this. You have a God who empathizes, who recognizes the struggle of that. And I wanna tell you too, when it comes to prayer, one of the best habits you can get in is to talk out loud to God. Don't just pray it in your mind. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying in your mind, and sometimes you can't help it, you're in a meeting, you can't break out in a business meeting when you're freaking out and just start talking out loud. People are gonna, whatever. I'm talking about whenever possible, out loud. Because if you just do this in your mind, here's what happens. Here's the script in my mind when I'm thinking about a panicky situation in my life. Right now with something going on, I'm paying, God, is this thing going on right now? I'm talking to God about it and thinking about it and thinking about the situation and how I could solve it and then thinking about how I could solve it, solvent, solvent. Uh, fantastic Sam's has solvent, solvent that I could clean. The... You find yourself, it just goes everywhere. When you're out loud doing this, it makes it more real because you're not, you're, you're talking to a real person. It makes prayer more real when you can talk out loud. Pray about it. Don't just think about it. And then I love this here too with Jesus. Uh, The third thing to write down here is be honest and be clear. Don't beat around the bush. 
Don't fake it. Don't, and here's the crazy thing. We do this sometimes when we're praying with other people because we want them to like us and them not to be freaked out about who we are. Look, Jesus freaks out. The creator God of the universe freaks out and loses it with the people who are gonna be leaders of the church. If anybody, like maybe they shouldn't see this right now. Maybe in our, in our groups where we gather in small groups to pray, we should just quit praying for our plumber's uncle who has cancer. And we start getting real and gritty and grimy with what's going on in our heart and soul and the challenges and the difficulties of our kids with the fear of my soul, with the thing God's asked me to step out into, with my struggle with faith and wondering. Maybe right under, be honest and clear, write down this. <laughs> Don't try to be more holy than Jesus. I think sometimes we get such an image of our idea of like, I just need to be holy like Jesus and we, we fake it. And it's not real at all. And Jesus didn't fake it here. And those of you that have sat in spiritual growth classes, we've taught on this here. There's little things we use to, uh, frameworks we give people to pray because it's gonna be helpful to know how to pray and to make sure we don't pray self-centered prayers. There's two of them, joy and acts. Joy, Jesus, others, and you. So talk to Jesus and worship Jesus, pray about other people, and then pray for yourself. The other, the acts one is adoration, to God, worship, confession, dealing with your sin, thanksgiving, being grateful, and then supplication, asking God for things. And there's nothing wrong with those frameworks, but I'm telling you, when you're in desperate times, forget about praying the pattern. You just come to God and go, I'm losing my mind right now, you're good, just be honest and be clear. Don't be more holy than Jesus. And then be persistent. It tells us here that Jesus came back three times. He had three different little prayer settings there. And don't don't miss this too. We sometimes think, well, Jesus went away and prayed for a minute or two and then came back. Oh no, he was gone long enough for these guys to get tired enough to fall back asleep again. That's probably at least 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe even an hour. Jesus is here wrestling with God on this gritty and grimy prayer and he's persistent about it. He keeps coming to God, I can't do it, I don't wanna do it, I know you want me to do it, but I can't do it. And we don't get the whole long prayer here. They just capture the quick little synopsis of the tone of what was going on here so we could read about it years later. Be persistent. There's some parables, stories Jesus told about these people that were pestering somebody with a request. He says, Pester God. If you're gonna make a mistake, he says, don't be the person who just comes to God and asks one time and goes away. Bug God a little bit. God likes to be bugged. Pester him with it. Be direct and keep praying and keep coming. And the truth is, I have listened to sermons on this about persistence in prayer. I've looked at scriptures and commentaries where it says ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, and the idea of come and ask and keep, and I look at that and go, why? In some cases, I look at it and go, if God's the creator of the universe and knows in advance what I'm gonna say, why do I even need to pray? And then he tells me not just pray once, but pray over and over and over again. I go, why do we do that? You know what the answer is? I have no idea. The Bible never tells us why. It may be because we got it the first time we asked to become a bunch of spoiled, spoiled little, petulant little brats. Think if every time your kids asked for something the first time you gave everything to them like that, that wouldn't be good for them. 
Maybe that's why, but I don't know why God does it that way. I want to tell you this. Maybe write this down. Another little crossing for you. Write down the word push. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. You know when you stop praying? When God says yes. If you ask God for a job, if you ask God to cure something, you ask God to step in a situation, do something, and the answer comes, you know what? You don't need to pray anymore. You say thank you and receive it. If God makes a clear no, when you pray for somebody to be cured of a disease and they pass away and they die, you stop praying about that. But here's what I want you to see here in this beautiful story of Jesus in the garden. Often, we pray, God, give me what I want, and what happens is God changes what I want. I come to God and say, God, change my circumstances. You know what happens? If I'm persistent in prayer and I wrestle around with this and just keep after it and keep after it, God doesn't change my circumstances. God changes my heart, which is why the fifth thing to write down here today is be humble and submissive. Look, be bold and be clear and be direct. But we don't come to God demanding, demanding, <laughs> demanding and issuing ultimatums. And I've heard people do this from time to time going, God, if God doesn't answer this prayer, then forget it, I'm done. God, if you don't come through for me the way I want you to in my time frame, I'm out. Most of the time God goes, it's not how we roll here. You forget who's king. So we're not demanding, but we, demanding, we, we can be bold. We, we can come with, God, I'm just telling you what I want. I'm asking you to do this, but I come in humility. I come recognizing, God, I might be missing something here. I, I have, guys, I have asked at times for things, and I was so clear, I, I was convinced it was God's will to do this for me. Some of you dated people and thought they were God's will for you, and then the famous theologian Garth Brooks years ago wrote that, wrote that song, sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. This is why Jesus says in the old Bibles, he says, if there's any way possible, I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And it's good news for us. If you've ever even struggled knowing God's will, this is the creator of the universe who doesn't know what God's will is right now. He's not sure about that. So if you ever struggle with it, <laughs> you're in Jesus' company. Don't let many people beat you up about that. You're in, in good company we come, God, I, I might be missing something here. If this wouldn't be good for me, if there's some bigger purpose or plan here, God, I am just saying, whatever. And then look what happens. I don't know if you've seen this here. At the beginning, how do we see Jesus here? Freaking out, losing his mind, screaming out to God, if there's any way possible, if there's any way possible, and just pounding the table and sweating, and he's just terrified and losing his mind, screaming out, and the disciples are hearing this and falling asleep, and this happens two or three times here in this story, and by the third time, he comes back to his disciples, says, what, you're asleep again? Keep sleeping, but no, my betrayer's coming. Come on, let's go. And he rushes out there, not hiding back here, freaked out and terrified. He has this resolute determination that was born out of wrestling with God in the garden here. That God didn't change his circumstances. God didn't give him the answer that he first asked for in prayer. God changed Jesus. 
and gave him a sense of determination. As you look at the story and you see how Jesus endures the whippings and the beatings and the, the, the terrifying stuff, he's led like a lamb to the slaughter and he's silent. He doesn't say a word. How does he do that? You know how he gets there? Wrestling in a garden. Not just one time, but over and over again, asking and begging and pleading and just watch what God does. As the band comes up, we wrap this up here. The next time it feels impossible for you or terrifying for you, let's follow our king. Let's follow our king. Don't tackle it alone. Don't just think about it. Actually talk to God about it. Be honest and clear. Be persistent and be humble and submissive as you approach Jesus with what you want him to do. And I want to tell you here right now, hmm, Jess and Beth talked to you about it just a few minutes ago. There are people here that would love to pray with you right here, right now, online, in the, uh, by texting us. Uh, your prayer requests. Put those in the connection cards. Let somebody meet you and wrestle with you in prayer right here, right now. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus and want to find out what does that mean to take that first, sometimes very scary, terrifying step into faith, into the life of following your king, put that on that connection card too. We're going to sing some great songs right here, right now. And let this be a time of let the words of the songs be the soundtrack for your prayer. And maybe take some time right here, right now, here in the room, for those of you that are here in the room, for those of you that are, a lot of you that are out there watching us and seeing this and participating uh, on the screens. Take some time to wrestle with God and pour out your heart to Him. Jesus, it's... It's flabbergasting to me. It doesn't add up in my mind at times what you did for us on the cross. And your humility, the, the way you stepped into the challenge. Help us. Help us as we face desperate times when we're scared when we just don't feel like it to wrestle with you in those moments. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.